Trigger alert warning. While we didn't get into details or specifics, we do briefly mention abuse and homelessness. Tune in as we hear about being persistent in our career journey while facing some difficult adversities. We jump right in with Nada as she shares that coming out of high school, there was no clear path for her. Her journey is both inspirational and uplifting. Not many of us know what's next. No one ever really asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had the unfortunate experience of not having a positive foster care experience. I went through lots of abuse, physical and sexual. I was often, I guess the the word would be um, put out of the house um, and not because I was a bad kid. I was actually a really good kid. I didn't get in trouble. I wasn't the kid that was defiant because I often thought I could end up in a worse situation than what I was in. Um, So I made it through high school barely. I had a great coach who coached cross country and track Um, And so I had the experience of being a high school athlete that provided me an outlet to some of the drama that was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And when people look at me, they would never think that I had been through these things. And I say to students all the time when I speak to them, you don't have to look like what you've been through, but you also don't have to act like what you've been through. Um, Mm -hmm. By most people's definition, I come from a very uh, impoverished area. Mm -hmm. I I always say I'm from the hood. Um, And I mean that because I grew up next to a um, a facility where um, there were drugs being sold, prostitution. I mean, you could see, I mean, you could see pretty much anything happening right there at that facility in my neighborhood, less than a mile from from the home where I live, is the halfway house, was the juvenile detention center and a prison in the back of the neighborhood. And And I'm not joking, like if you look up Bartow, Florida, and you look at the area where I grew up, it is not a nice area, and it has become a little bit more subdued now because basically mm-hmm. everyone is either dead or in jail. But I don't come from a from a great area. I grew up extremely poor. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was poor. I knew that I was different. I knew that I didn't fit in, and I still tried to make a way. I've always been a very positive person, even in the face of adversity, and I just tried to find a way to smile and laugh through all of the pain. Two days after I graduated from high school, I was homeless. I did not have anywhere to live. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a book bag and some clothes in a trash bag, and that was it. So when I called my best friend at 10 o'clock at night and said said to her parents, I don't have anywhere to go, I was a good kid. And I say this to students all the time, kindness will get you further in life than anything else. Mm. Having a positive attitude, despite what you're going through, will always get you further than anger and defiance. Um, Because people want to help people who are helping themselves. I knew I didn't have much to offer, uh, but I was a hard worker. I've always been extremely hardworking. So I would pick up little jobs here and there to try to earn money for myself. So my best friend's parents let me stay there. One of my other friends, her mother let me sleep on the couch there. I have had to sleep outside before, but I was always such a good kid that people wanted to help me. Mm. And I came to South Carolina with a friend and I didn't know that I was going to college. You know, it's funny you ask that question. I didn't choose it. It had to choose me because I didn't have any resources. I didn't have anywhere to go. So 
when the coach at Benedict College says to me, as my friend is there auditioning for the team, you know, what do you do? Are you her sister? What, you know, what services do you provide? And I'm thinking, uh, um, I don't want to say anything, even though I had been a great, I was the MVP of our team. I had gone to state, but I was so afraid that I wouldn't have a place to stay when we got back to Florida if she thought that I was trying to steal her shine, so to speak. So it was very difficult to think about a future when you don't even know if you're going to have food to eat. If you don't know if you're going to have a safe place to stay without someone standing over you trying to harm you. Mm -hmm. So for every student out there who may be in a situation like I was in, I say to you, be kind, work hard, Because no matter what you choose, whether it be vocational school, a trade, whether you become um, a cosmetologist or a janitor, or you become a successful business owner, kindness will always get you further. The fact that you've had to deal with adversity will give you the grit that you need to keep going. So, no, I didn't decide to go to college. I had people who took interest in me and said, we believe that you can do it Mm -hmm. if given the opportunity. But I wasn't a student that had great grades either, D's and F's. But I was also dealing with very adult things as a teenager. So when you're trying to figure out whether or not someone's going to rape you in your sleep, you probably don't sleep very well. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to figure out if you go to the foster home where you live and they're going to lock you out and you have to sleep outside on the porch like a dog, you're not really worried about homework. So for, for me, I say all the time that I am grateful for the adversity that I experience because I have more toughness than most of the people that I work with. And it's, it's you know, I know people can't see me right now, but I think it's amazing that God did kind of put me in this pretty girl package because I'm relatable and I can reach people in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, God, doesn't, God doesn't use people who are squeaky clean. He doesn't use people um, that he doesn't feel will will be able to get his message across. He, he uses people that do have some dirt on them that can relate to people in adverse situations because that's how he's going to get the glory out of all of us. You know, I really love that. And thank you for being so vulnerable and transparent about your past because that is something that we haven't necessarily delved into in a previous episode of the point that you made that there are kids out there that you don't have a choice. You don't have the luxury of a choice of if I want to go vocational or if I want to go college route. So thank you for definitely presenting that aspect. Now with that said, what about, did you have at any point in time throughout that time period while people are stepping in and helping you, anyone that maybe you had as like a positive influence or a mentor or it was kind of like periodically you had that, but nothing consistent during that time? I certainly didn't have anything consistent. I was Mm -hmm. afraid to speak up about my situation because again, I had spoken up before. And when a social worker comes to your house and asks you if this person sitting uh, uh, sitting across from you is abusing you, you're probably going to lie and say no, Mm -hmm. because you are so afraid of the repercussions from saying yes. Um, I just did a human sex trafficking um, workshop this past weekend and I, and I talked about how you are afraid to say anything. And I was never trafficked, but I certainly um, had situations where I was, I was put into some really bad situations and I don't want to be too graphic. That's not the purpose of this podcast, but 
I cer- it certainly could have been the other way for me. Mm-hmm. It certainly could have could have not been the positive thing that it is now. And and when you think about the people who come into your life, a reason, a season, or a lifetime, there were lots of people who were in my life for a reason. There were people that God just put in in place for me so that I wouldn't have to sleep on the streets every night so that some days I did have food in my belly so that some days I had the ability to go take a shower and to wash my clothes. There were people in my life, like my best friend's family, the Mathis family, who took me in and gave me what they could. But like I said, we grew up in a not so great area. Mm-hmm. You know, I had people, coaches who would give me shoes or underwear or toothpaste or deodorant. I mean, you think about basic necessities that I did not have access to. I was very lucky that God did not give me this um, this weak spirit, right? That mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a spirit of fear. Um, there were times where I felt like I wasn't going to make it. Uh, there were times where I wanted to end it all, and, and I felt suicidal because of what I was going through. But there's something special about resiliency. And I think you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And I, God gave me the spirit of resiliency and, and discernment and determination and perseverance. And so quitting was not really an option. Even at my lowest point, I just could not stop. And every time I got super low, there would be someone that would come in and say, hey, um, do you mind helping me clean up the lab? I'll, yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks. They have no idea that 20 bucks was the world to me, mm-hmm. you know? And so, no, there was not anyone that was consistent, but I did have, I like to call them just guardian angels on earth that showed themselves in my in my times of greatest need. I love that. So when you did get to the point where you got the opportunity where it was like, okay, college is on the horizon. It, there is an mm-hmm. opportunity there that I can do that. Talk about that with us. Like, what what did that look like? Because you mentioned you were um, with a friend during that time period in your life. I didn't go. I didn't go home. I didn't have a place to go home to. Benedict College will forever be near and dear to my heart because they saw me and they saw my potential. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have money for me to be there. They didn't know where I was going to stay. And the coach said, I'm going to take you to talk to a lady named Vivian Counts. And Vivian Counts said, I don't know what it is about you, young lady, but something is special about you. And I'm going to give you a chance. And it was Miss Vivian Counts saying yes. It was her walking me over to Stewart Hall at Benedict College and saying to um, Miss Belton, we need a place for her to stay. Can you make it happen? It was us going to the president of the college and saying, we have a student that we believe in. And that you went, listen, I don't care if you believe in God or the universe or whatever you call it, but that's divine intervention. Mm-hmm. At PGD, you're not just a listener, you're family. Is there a career you'd like us to explore or a success story you'd love to share and have us highlight on one of our episodes? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at pgdfam at gmail.com. That's pgdfam at gmail.com. Subscribe to our show so you can get notified when new episodes drop. Help increase our reach with a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And that's what I had. And so when they gave me the opportunity, I promise you that summer, because they had to determine whether or not I could do collegiate level work. Mm -hmm. And so 
I had to take chemistry and biology and, you know, physics and just all these courses. I think I got the highest grade in every class. I remember winning the award for hardest working, highest GPA. I worked because all I kept thinking was all I have to do is study. Like, that's it. I don't have to get on my knees. I don't have to lay down on my back. I don't have to let someone touch me. I don't have to... I don't have to do anything that is degrading to me as a human being. I just have to study. I got this. Awesome. <laughs> and so I, I put my all into studying. So I, people ask me uh, sometimes like, well, did you have fun in college? No, I didn't. <laughs> I worked in college. I had six jobs and I took advantage of the opportunity that was put before me is not to say that I didn't have weak moments. It's not to say that there were days that I cried until I vomited. I did all those things, but I still got up and I did the work. That's amazing. I still got up and I made it happen. I love that. I love that story. So when you were in school and you had that opportunity in the summer, which you did so well in, and then mm-hmm. they decided to continue to give you the opportunity. At what point did you then now start to express an interest in more of the health sciences route and wanting to go more into healthcare. Did that happen then or did that happen later? Let me tell you this funny story. I did not know what I wanted to do, but my roommate was a biology major. I could not afford books. And so when the coach asked what I wanted to major in, I asked her, what was she majoring in? And she said, well, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to major in biology. So that's what I told the coach. I had no clue. There are some articles that were written about me that said I was going to be a, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. I thought it sounded amazing. And she said, well, she was going to be a doctor and this was the type of doctor she was going to be. So I looked up uh, what I thought was the smartest doctor at the time. I figure if you work on the brain, you got to be pretty smart, right? And I have steady hands. And so I said, well, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. And when she would finish studying, I would take her books and I would study um, because I couldn't afford the books. And even though I had a full scholarship, it did not provide me with a stipend or with books. And so I majored in biology because she majored in biology. I only had an athletic scholarship. I didn't have an academic scholarship. But by the end of the first year, I had a full academic scholarship as well. I love that hustle. That is such a good <laughs> idea. I was Listen. different. I used to go to the library because I discovered that they always kept an extra set of like emergency te- textbooks for all the professors mm-hmm. in the library. So that's how I got my books for class. I will go there. Oh, I love it. See, I didn't I didn't even have. Listen, you're smarter than me. I didn't even know that was a, a, an option. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So while you're in school and you're mm-hmm. now studying um, in biology, like your roommate. Yes, now, take us to you're about to graduate. At that point, were you still on the track of neurosurgeon or did you say to yourself, OK, I'm, I'm going to veer off the path a little bit and I'm going to do something different? What was that like? OK, so again, there's, I'm telling you, my life is fraught <laughs> with with adversity. So the fr- end of freshman year, I get accepted into a program through MUSC, the Medical University of South Carolina. Their entire program was through the Office of Diversity, and its goal was to increase the enrollment rate of minorities in health science careers, Mm. like medicine. Mm. And so I'm thinking, yes, all I have to do is do great in this program, and I'm in. 
Well, I did amazing in the program. All I mean, I was with people who were from all these other schools. I got to live in downtown Charleston. It was amazing until the last summer when we were supposed to get all of our prep work to take the MCAT, mm-hmm. which is the test that you need to qualify for medical school. And I received a certified letter stating that because I didn't have health insurance, I could not come back to the program. What? And I was devastated. I was devastated because up until this point, it didn't matter that I didn't have money. All I had to have was my brain. It didn't matter that I didn't have parents or clothes or shoes or whatever. I could use my brain. And this was something that I needed a parent for. And I didn't have that. I was an independent student. I was working, you know, full time, but I could not afford health insurance. And because I didn't have a child, I could not qualify for assistance from the government. And I remember a caseworker saying to me, well, maybe you should just have a baby. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I don't even have a place to live. And you want me to have a baby? I was so upset. And I went and, I, and you know, insurance is not something that a friend can provide to you. You know, it has to be a family member. Mm-hmm. I had run out of options and I, this was a low point. And so I just kept thinking, like, I did all this work and I'm not going to get to finish. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I mm-hmm. wanted to be a doctor, but I at least wanted the option to become one. And it was just taken from me because I didn't have health insurance. And so because of that, I did not get to go back to that program. But because I'm a hustler, I go to Miss Counts and I let her know what's going on. And she said, oh my gosh, um, let me call. There's this other program. You were already in this one. They asked for a student. I thought of you, but you were already in this other program. Mm -hmm. So she calls the program and they say, if she can get here and she can provide her own housing, she can come. And I'm like, what? And you had the opportunity to win Um, this, uh, I think it was about $7,500 that you could win at the end of the summer. And now where was it? What's the key point that you may have caught it or not? I had to provide my own housing. Did I have money? Absolutely not. I couldn't even afford insurance. So what I did, they allowed us to use a house during the day. And as long as you turn the key in by 5 PM, you could use the house. So what I would do is I would take a shower. I would take a nap. I would eat. And some days I got locked out of the house and I had to sleep on the porch. And some days I got to stay in the house overnight because no one ever checked. Mm. Probably committed a crime here. So don't tell on me, guys. Um, But I was always very respectful of the space. I cleaned up after myself. But there were some nights that I um, that I had to sleep on the porch. Luckily, it was downtown Charleston. No one ever really bothered me. There was like a little foyer area. Um, So I wasn't completely exposed to the elements, but um, I didn't have a car. I walked from downtown all the way to MUSC every single day. Um, I was never late. I never left early. I did my work and I won that scholarship by the end of the summer. And I was in a program with people from across the nation. And I did a project that I incidentally was published on. And it was the the effects of, uh, let me see if I can remember the title, the effects of the Six hydroxy dopamine metacycline lesion rat or something crazy like that. But it was a drug testing Parkinson's disease, like one of the first phases of that. Mm. And I got to do original research. I got to help out in a lab and, and it was amazing. Now it didn't necessarily prepare me for medical school, which I did terrible on the MCAT. I obviously didn't go to medical school, but I found 
a calling within the nursing profession, and I eventually became a nurse practitioner. So a long answer to that, but it's just to show people that you may not get there the way that you think you will. You could have all these deadlines and these markers in your head, and it just may not go your way, but it doesn't mean that you give up dream. I knew I wanted to help people. By the time I got to my senior year, I knew that science and math were very, very easy for me. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I could just find a profession where I could utilize that along with some sort of uh, community aspect that I would thrive. And, and I did anatomy was um, a strong point of mine. I went into nursing um, and again, eventually became a nurse practitioner and, um, and I'm always fighting for the underdog. I get to do advocacy work and it's, and it's amazing, but I would not have gotten there had I just quit when I was told I couldn't come back to that program. I love that. And I love your resiliency. And I think you made a, a excellent point earlier when you talked about the fact that some people have it, but some people don't. Because uh-huh. even in looking at the whole spectrum of your life, but if we just isolate and just look at what you went through in school, at that pivotal moment where you didn't have health insurance and you couldn't continue in that program, some people would have looked at that and just been like, oh, well, I tried and been done. Yep. But to have the mindset that, okay, well, that's not going to work. The door is closed, but somebody had to have left a window open. Uh-huh. If the window's not uh-huh. open, I'm going to break it. I'm going to tunnel in. There has to be another way. I, I just love that. Like this is so the epitome many- of you, you create your reality. You create the future that you want. Of course, things will happen in life, right? You'll, you'll get shut down or you'll come across a circumstance that seems as if you can't overcome but having this tenacity to just push through mm-hmm. and know that I, I want this, whatever form it's going to take shape, I want this and not to give up that message right there is loud, it's clear and it's powerful. Mm-hmm. It and is. yes, if I could just say this little piece, it's more than just saying to someone, you can do it. It's more yeah. than saying to them, if you work hard, you can achieve it. You have right. to give them the blueprint on how they did it. So when I talk about my story, I don't talk about the success of it. I talk yeah. about the fact that that summer that I was there and I had to kind of create my own housing, I ate saltine crackers off of the salad right. bar because they were free. And I took the lemons and, and, and squeezed them into the water so that I could have lemonade or lemon water so that I could hydrate myself. I was very skinny that summer, let me tell you. <laughs> Um, but I made it work and I did not make excuses. And, you know, if I was walking and, you know, someone said, oh man, you should come hang out with us. And I would say, oh man, I left my wallet home. They said, oh, we got you. Cool. And I'm taking half. They're like, you're not going to eat your food. I'm just going to save a little bit for later. So you have to be able to give people the actual blueprint on how you did it. Not just that they can do it. Anyone knows that they can do it, but how did you do it? It takes sacrifice and it takes being able to say no to a bunch of things like fun, like hanging out, like not studying so that you can say yes to the new opportunities and the potential that you have for your life. Do you or a loved one currently find yourself in a legal bind where you need a bail bond, notary, or warrant search assistance? Well, consider Bailout Bail Bonds as your solution, offering flexible payment options. Located in Richland County, South Carolina, they can assist both in and out of state. 
Check out their website by going to bailoutbailbonds.agency or give them a call. They're available 24-7 at 803-333-9669. Again, 803-333-9669. Tell them PGD sent you. You are bringing back so many memories for me. Because I remember in school, my hustle was I became a waitress as one of my jobs. Yes, me too. Yes. And I became so cool with the cooks at the restaurant that I worked at that they would secretly make the wrong orders on purpose so that they could box them up. And then that's what I would take with me and I would eat. (laughs) Absolutely. Listen, and you, you probably were a really hard worker. And they were like, we're trying to help young sis out. Love mm-hmm. it. Oh my gosh, you're bringing back so many memories. But I love that. So you as a nurse practitioner, and first off, I want to say I love the profession that you're in. I think it's a lot of things that people don't really realize. But yes. the fact that you're able to bring comfort and answers in death where a lot of times that's not possible. Um, right. It just gives people a whole sense of peace. I think a lot of times when people think about healthcare, they think about the living, um, mm-hmm. but not the, you know, the change to that or what happens when the living are no longer living. People don't really think yes. about that aspect. So in your career as nurse practitioner, what then caused you to, I don't want to say shift course, but move into a transition of now dealing with those that aren't living and moving into your space? So as a kid, I was a reader. And I don't know who taught me, but uh, there's some documentation somewhere that I could read at like the age of three and like really read like on a first grade level or something. Mm. And I don't know who taught me. I don't know if I was self-taught. I don't know if I picked it up somewhere. I have no idea, but I've always been an avid reader. I think it's the reason that I'm able to articulate and to speak well in an environment where that was not taught. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been an avid reader and I was obsessed with Nancy Drew. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, I, I just was talking about this this past weekend. <laughs> I was Oh my goodness. I read I that. I, oh my yeah. God. And and Beverly Clear mm-hmm. uh, Cleary. Yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. And the Harkey Boys. Yes. And oh my so- gosh. <laughs> Take me back. Sweet Valley Eyes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Nerd oh. moments, right? Man. Yes. yes. and I was obsessed with Nancy Drew and I love that she was able to solve crimes I love that she was able to figure out what happened Mm -hmm. Um, and I've always been very inquisitive in that way I like uh, I wouldn't say I like puzzles necessarily but I like to figure out what happened Um, and so as I uh, grew up i knew that that was something that I that I liked to do but I didn't know that you could have a profession where that that you could receive money to do that, that you could monetize that love and that passion that you have. And so when I uh, finished up my biology degree, obviously it's a lot of chemistry, a lot of biology, histology, physics, and all those things. And it's solving problems all the time. Um, I knew that I wanted to help people, but I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. So I have this like love of this, this love of that, this passion for this. And I wasn't sure how to bridge them together. And so what I was able to do in nursing was use investigative technique, because when a patient walks into your room, you don't know what's wrong with them. You have to figure it out. And so when I'm in nursing school, I'm thinking, man, you know, 
okay, this is cool. Like I get to figure things out. Um, and so to be able to diagnose someone, to be able to help them find comfort in their worst moments, uh, that was very exciting for me. And so as I advanced in my career, I realized that I was great in a crisis. The world could be falling down around me and I could be calm. But why was that? Because I had been experiencing adversity my entire life. Mm. I've been in crisis my entire life. So that feeling wasn't new to me. So when I was graduating from nursing school, I remember my one of my professors, Mrs. Blackwell, said to me, she said, you do not need to do anything where you have to take care of chronic patients. And I was like, gosh, that's where all the jobs are. Like, what are you, are you not going to re- re- give me a reference for a job? Like, what's happening? And she said, no, I won't. She said, but if you go into the ICU or to the ER, I will support that decision. Mm. And I'm thinking, you don't get to tell me what to do. (laughs) But she was right. She was absolutely correct. The world could be falling all around me and I could maintain the most level head. I don't get flustered easily. I'm, I'm not easily agitated. A person could be screaming, crying, acting the whole fool and I could calm them down. And she said, you do not realize that that is a skill. And I'm thinking, Mm. really? Okay. And so I worked in the ER and I left the ER for corporate America only because they wouldn't give me a raise. And I loved that. And I loved helping people. And I loved wound and ostomy care. And then I got into legal nursing, which allowed me to solve a mystery. It allowed me Mm. to walk things back and say, okay, this person ended up dying from this. How did they get to this point? So I could go through the medical record and do my super sleuth work like Nancy Drew and figure things out. And that was exciting to me. But I knew that that's not where that is not. That was a a pit stop on my path, but it was not the path that God needed me to be on. And so um, I had my I I got married. I had my uh, second son and. I started researching other careers and the role of coroner came up. I had gone to school with a young lady named Denise Gibson, who was a deputy coroner in Barnwell County. And I was always so fascinated by what she did. And she would tell me stories and we would talk and she's this real serious, uh, very petite uh, woman. And and she would tell me things and I would say, oh, one day I'm going to be a coroner. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, Nada, you know, you're too girly. <laughs> and I said, oh, you don't know me, Denise. I'm pretty tough. And so everything that I did in my nursing career prepared me to be where I'm at today. Every single pit stop, I learned a new skill. Every single pit stop, I, I took some new nugget of knowledge with me that I could apply to being in this role. I've always been a public servant. I've always been a community um, advocate and advocating for those who are afraid to speak up and who feel as if they don't have a voice. And so public service was in the works for me. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. Well, the corner position is an elected position. And so I knew 10 years ago that I was going to run in 2020. I knew 10 years ago that I was going to put my name in the hat. And I said, it's the only time I'm going to run. I'm going to give it my all. And then the pandemic happened. And I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But everything happens for a reason. I'd already built up a very strong social media presence in the fashion world because I have a thrift store. 
I always love fashion and I wanted to show people that you don't have to look like what you've been through. So owning a thrift store seemed like the very cool thing to do because these are things that people throw away and they discard them as if they're nothing, but there's beauty in them. Everything I wear is either, well, I do have custom made clothing now because I'm kind of tall, but but I wear everything from a thrift store and I take pride in that. I tell people, oh, I paid a dollar for this or this skirt was 25 cents because I want to show people that you don't have to spend a lot of money to look nice, but also to be able to provide clothing and toiletry items for those students who were like me. And so we have a career closet at Benedict College and we provide clothing once a month to the homeless people in our community to make sure that they have what they need. And if they need to dress up, they have the, the tools to do that. But this was not a impulsive decision. And I think that's what people need to know. It was not impulsive. I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I want to be a coroner. I put in the work. And most people want the glory, but they don't want to do the work. They want the sunshine, but they're not a, they're not willing to walk through the rain and the storms to get there. So I already know what that's like. So when I'm faced with you know, running against someone who's been in office for 20 years, I said, if God orders my steps this way, then that is the way that they will go. I am not afraid. I'm not scared. I'm, I'm not anything. I have okay. accepted a win or a loss because if it's a, if it's a loss in terms of the poll, it's still going to be a win because people will see the work that I do mm-hmm. and that will yeah. lead to other opportunities. So it wasn't a, a, an impulsive decision like some people may think. Uh, and the people that follow me on social media for my fashion they just never took time to listen to the fact that I've been in healthcare for 15 years. <laughs> There's more to her story and it only gets better. Tune in next time and be inspired by true grit and perseverance. But in between shows, keep the conversations alive with the youth in your households with our series, The Adventures of Sophie and Olivia, available on Amazon and pgd-innovations.com. The link is in our show notes. Here Here at PGD, we're fam.